Welcome to the Quorum Deo Podcast. At Quorum Deo Baptist Church, we seek to live in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and to the glory of God alone. We pray that through this podcast, you get to hear not only what God has done here at Corndale Baptist Church, but also what he continues to do and what we prayerfully ask him to do in the days to come. If you would like to find out more about Corndale Baptist Church, then please visit us online at www.corndalegp.com. Well, we are back. The dynamic duo oh. is Pastor Ben, uh, and I'm joined by Pastor Aaron again. Hey, um, we're getting a little bit better at this. We're a little bit more consistent. Yeah, yeah. There's probably you know, there's yeah, a, a lot less time has passed since the last. It episode. did not take. Yeah, it did not take eight months to get back <laughs> together on this one, yeah. which is always good. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, uh, um, call calling each other uh, we're trying different things the last uh, podcast you recorded and then we're trying a, a different program so we're hoping that that will work out and it, the audio quality will just get better mm. um i say this to the actual actually more than two people listening um i i heard from a few people and a few people that i didn't expect to hear from that they were like hey we i heard you you guys talking about this issue so yeah um that's cool i guess but that leaves us uh even more accountable uh yeah <laughs> for what we say yeah so, but that's easy. a good thing that's a good thing yeah it's easy to apologize to mom you know but she'll forgive us about anything but you know others are joining in it's like oh yeah we need to be careful and above reproach and you know, of course absolutely well goal, so. yeah <laughs> should be that anyway but right exactly. yes <laughs> but definitely now, so we appreciate those of you who listened to the last podcast, those that are listening now. We're so grateful for that. And we are going to press on a little bit. We we tackled a couple of questions the last time we got together, just as an introduction to this, um, well, what has become the elephant in the room for some of us. <laughs> and, uh, and also uh, the thing that's become quite a joy uh to some degree as well yeah and i think that you know is in some ways the the difficulty that that we're faced with this because on the one hand we're very excited uh, about these truths and just the the view of god that has grown so much as understanding his work in salvation his sovereignty and salvation and, and there's this sense of excitement and also wanting to, others to to understand and, and see these doctrines that we believe the bible teaches but when, when we come up against people who do not appreciate them and do not agree, then we find ourselves mm -hmm. in conflict. And, and it's, I think, frustrating for both parties because we, we want to be like-minded and we know that true fellowship can really only flourish when we are like-minded. And so what we feel should be a source of unity and delight um, can all of a sudden become the cause of contention and disagreement and, mm -hmm. and of course, then our emotions get involved and uh, our pride and and this is the struggle. So uh, I think, you know, like we said in the first episode there on this issue of the doctrines of grace of Calvinism, our goal is not to stir the pot, you know, or to add insult to injury, but Lord willing to just 
help clarify um, what these doctrines are, where they come from in the scriptures, because we certainly know that if there is a misunderstanding, it's only going to add to the frustration and the anger. And so we're hoping to, to bring clarity to the conversation and just help people understand yeah, in a, in, a safe, in a safe way, I <laughs> guess, in a safe space. So, it, yeah, to one degree, as we talk about this, we've had years to wrestle yeah. through these things. And yeah. I mean, there's a reason why Calvinists um, are called being in a cage stage. And I can remember mine. I can remember talking with people. I can remember one of my best friends right. before we moved up here. Um, I would hang out with him. I and I'd blah, like I would say, hey, man, what do you think of this? And I'd turn on Washer or I'd turn on someone that I'd been listening to and 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 their exposition of Scripture. And I would say, you know, and I would just want to talk to them. And I, I was um, a little less over the top than some folks. But as you said, it, it, emotions and immaturity to some degree can get can get the best of us. And 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 just having a conversation in house and uh, and being able to pick through some of these things and think of things that can mm -hmm. be helpful mm -hmm. and questions that we've heard so that it helps some of the people that, um, yeah, we teach and some of the people that, that they interact with that don't necessarily agree with us, that we're able to take these questions with grace, with clarity of thought, and not just come from a place of, well, you're obviously you're attacking me and just give it back. Um, but again, like we right. talked about on the first yeah. episode, we know that, that there are people on all points of the spectrum and we're all growing. Hopefully we're all growing towards the same conformity to Christ. But along the way we, we rub shoulders with, we even link arms with people that are, just believe differently on this and, and how are we to interact and what are some of those things? I'm sure we'll get to that in the future, but mm -hmm. yeah, we want to continue in on, on some of the things that we started to unpack mm -hmm. the last time that we got together. Yeah, absolutely. We had a series of questions and, and you know, this could be any number of questions, but uh, last week we, uh, I, yeah. I guess the last episode um, more week ago, <laughs> but we, I've tried to, to really talk on two. Um, the first one was, aren't these doctrines just the teaching of man? And I uh, looked at that issue and, and how, well, of course, men from history have taught these doctrines. Uh, we believe their sources in the Bible, and we know that the Bible is the word of God. And so looking at that a bit, and then secondly, we brought up this, this uh, statement that's often made in regards to Calvinism, and that is that, the doctrine of election would make us all into robots. And so we tried to just look at the, the full picture of, of salvation in, in light of the, the scripture that uh, because we're born in our trespasses and sins, that unless God does a work within us by his spirit through the gospel, there is no hope for us to change, that we are bound to our sin, we are bound to our fallen nature, uh, our will uh, is... is free in the sense that we can act according to our nature, but unless we receive this new nature through the gospel, we will never seek God. And so, uh, you know, and, and I guess just quickly, was there anything that we need to Man, kind of that clarify really good. about that? You just kind of came off the top there. You remember question? all that? Uh, no, that, that was a good summary. <laughs> I, 
I'm thoroughly impressed with you. <laughs> well, I will say um, All good. <laughs> one of the things that wow. that we talk about were just some of the, we kind of flew by them, but there were some resources in there. And I think um, as far as reformers go, I would just, I would um, plug once again, the volume by Martin Luther called The Bondage of the Will and this interaction that he had with Erasmus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is the person who really was the catalyst. Well, God's word was the catalyst, but this was the the agent, (laughs) I guess, the one who uh, really stirred things up, but but really just brought it down to certain things that he was seeing in Scripture. And I don't want to labor that because that was what we talked about in the first one. But I will say it's such a useful volume Mm. to see Luther and his um, his hermeneutic of scripture to testify to the bondage of man's will and sin and his interaction with Erasmus. And, um, and I, I would just encourage anybody that, you know, wants to, Hey, we're getting close to the holidays. Maybe you could find it on Christian audio. Maybe you could find it somewhere else. If you, if you don't read that often, but maybe you could listen to it, but mm-hmm. I'm sure you could find it on Kindle for pretty cheap. Nowadays, they're taking anything that doesn't have copyright to it and, and able to produce it for, for very little. So you could probably find it on there. And I would say, even if you don't want to read through the whole thing, just look at Martin's uh, closing argument. And, and I, I think that will, will suffice to some degree um, as well. One of the comments that I made last week was about these doctrines being the kind of the charges that it's the doctrine of a man. And I just want to clarify when I said um, I was reading an article about Mm -hmm. um, Calvin's doctrine of predestination. um, And I said, well, I just rolled my eyes real hard. Um, I don't want that to come off as as arrogant or anything else like that. It's true that when you look into the history of the church, there are key figures that have doctrines. Doctrine just means teachings. And so these men take scripture and they they teach according mm, yeah. to um, what what they interpret there. But the reason why I said it the way that I did was they were just really just lifting passages of Scripture out and then saying this was Calvin's doctrine when that's what made me roll my eyes because I'm thinking, wait, no, this is, right. this is Scripture. So this is Paul. If you're going to be mad at anybody, don't be mad at Calvin. Be mad at yeah. him. Uh, at right. Paul because he he's the one who's inspired by the Holy Spirit to read this. And so yeah. that's kind of why I thought, man, I, that kind of bothered me for a couple of days afterwards. I was like, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression here. I know yeah. that different people teach different things, um, but I just didn't clarify that. I think the way that I, I probably should have is I began to think about that question that we had posed about robots. If, if these doctrines are true um, then, then doesn't this, doesn't these things make, make us all robots? And, and it got me thinking about some of the other questions that are asked that aren't necessarily, mm. well, that are, that are close to, to that. And one of them has to do with love. Uh, this idea that, well, if, if that's the way that God operates, if, if he is forcing people who wouldn't otherwise love him to love him that's not love at all 
have you ever heard something like that or can you say it in a better way than 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 i just did or no absolutely i mean especially in our postmodern world where we're driven by emotion right and in our, our passions and so anything that would be done out of duty or or being coerced right. into something we'll be like oh man that's that's yeah and so we sin, we do you know? come at so it from that angle we're so that. quick to come at the scripture to come at the bible and this is something that we we have to we we try at least we we do everything we can to kind of reverse some of that thinking and repent of some of that coming at it from a man-centered perspective and try to do our best to take what scripture has told us as it begins with God and shows us that salvation, we believe salvation begins with God. Then we want to follow that, that thread from, from the top down. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I was thinking was that that's a, that's a tough argument considering all throughout scripture. We see the, even the greatest commandment, is God commands, he demands love from people. And so, you know, this idea of forced love is one yeah. thing, but my question then would be, then what do we do with a love that is then commanded of people? And, and that can make us uneasy, right? That can make us like, oh, what? Okay, well, then if it's commanded of us and it demanded of yeah. us, then what kind of love is that? See, that's a slippery slope. I think we have to make yeah. sure that yeah. um, our, our theology and our hermeneutic is consistent in Scripture to take those questions and then run them through the grid of Scripture and go and weigh them against things like that you know if if well if love's not freely given then it's not love then what about the the demands for those things the commands um i and we could go down that yeah. road for a while just kind of searching out those things uh but but i was thinking through that um i don't know if you have anything to to kind of input there but that's yeah. definitely something that that needed to be kind of considered uh, as well that's really good and i you know mm -hmm. we're working through and i know you you guys have been through as well the behold your god study by john and you know it really does come back to your view of god and, and you know we talked last time too how when paul is dealing with some of the the opposition or the questions he knew were going to come regarding the doctrine of election he ultimately points right. them to god's authority so mm -hmm. god's right as the creator over his creatures right that, that he is the potter and we're the clay and i think people have to understand that god is not uh, one of many options um, in regards to our loyalty he is the creator he is the sovereign uh, we owe our allegiance to god he has the right over us as his creatures and so you know that that element must be there that we have to keep that big view of god in, in that small view of ourselves and and i think you know i, I can't help but think too of uh you know i guess in john piper's book desiring god he, he kind of talked about how uh, how can god be self-glorifying how can he promote himself and that be good for us as a creature right but the the answer is in that well we're made for god um we're, we're designed for him and so for god to bring us to him is is loving because mm -hmm. that's where we find ultimate pleasure and joy 
uh, that is what we're made for. And so it's not unloving of God. It's actually God bringing us to our great need, which is himself. So it, you know, it's that big view of God and, and yeah, reminding ourselves, no, he is, he's the sovereign. He's the creator, the potter. And, and uh, yeah. we need to <laughs> place our hand over our mouth. Where did you get that? And, that sounds so profound. Revering. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's, no, <laughs> I don't know. Man. I, was I guess being, it was probably uh, done. <laughs> I was being a little sarcastic there. Right? That, uh, that's no. straight out of scripture, right? That's Job. He's like, I, you know, he comes to the end of himself and chapter 40 yeah. and is like, I can't, who am I to answer back to you, God? <laughs> I lay my hand yeah. to my mouth. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we just finished that uh, lesson. Oh, is that, that's it. That's like I say, because we just finished that lesson uh, yeah. uh, where he was talking about Job and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. ultimately about God showing himself to Job. <laughs> so, so right, the scripture and, and God uses instruments like mm-hmm. John Schneider to teach us scripture, which I'm grateful that's okay. for. But. The reason why these questions are so tough in this is in this sense that we, we are talking about things that we talked about last time, kind of going over those questions. We could just do those again. We could keep going because it's, right. it's yeah. like a, the bullet of a gun, but it's not a, yeah. a rifle. It's a shotgun. And, and inside of that one shot, that cartridge comes a spray of different things. You start to look and you go, Oh, look, there's some spray over here. There's some spray over here. Like it, let's look over here. Let's look over there. And so we can kind of get, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we can take a lot of different, different avenues. And I think even as we, we talked yeah. last time about uh, just the nature of the flesh and the spirit unable to discern, and then the need of regeneration. And here's the thing, like we didn't even really scratch the surface of the doctrine of regeneration, but uh, that is so important, uh, for this issue as well. Yeah. So, man, I don't know what uh, we've done, but we've done it to ourselves and we probably need to just. <laughs> Uh, go ahead and go on through the next couple that we had um, thought about. Try to keep blazing ahead. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's so good, though. Um, such a blessing. And, you know, and they all tie mm-hmm. together, like you say. I mean, they're so intertwined. But one of the other questions that we, we had to consider, uh, or it's sometimes, you know, brought up as a way to refute the doctrines of grace, I suppose, the doctrine of election specifically people will say something to the effect of, well, if I believe that, then I, I won't evangelize or I won't pray or I won't do missions or they might even, you know, take a little stronger position and, and accuse us of not caring about evangelism, not caring about uh, the lost and, and missions and, and these sorts of things because we hold to this view of, mm-hmm. of election. And so I thought maybe we could explore that a little bit, just helping people understand how somebody can affirm the doctrines of grace and yet still be, be obedient, you know, to the great commission to taking the gospel to right. the ends of the earth. Uh, well, yeah. I think really you just answered it um, to some degree. It It is a mandate. And just because you believe where other places in scripture talk about election and predestination, it does not give you a pass to not do what God has commanded mm-hmm. you to do. And we're talking right. about the foundational pillars that the Reformation began on would be things like the solas, the first of which 
than mm-hmm. being sola scriptura. And as a Calvinist or yeah. someone who calls yourself that or who says, I believe in the doctrines of grace or I'm reformed or whatever sort of label you want to put on it, you better believe in all these things, praying and evangelizing and missions and obey the commands in Scripture concerning them. I mean, it's it's that simple. And, it, and I know yeah. the... The idea is that there are straw man arguments on both sides and there are shots right. from both sides. And usually what happens is we start shooting towards those that are on the fringe, like the fringe right. issues of these. And, and we think of hyper Calvinists, those who we who have yeah. really neglected where God speaks in these things because they're so convinced of the sovereignty of God and salvation, they just sit on their hands. But I think we have to understand like any truthful person who is not reformed or not Calvinist, but who knows a Calvinist who's worth their salt would have to admit that they really do believe that these things are necessary. Prayer and Mm -hmm. missions and evangelism. I mean, you and I both have, have talked about them, exercised them. Now, are we perfect in our <laughs> in the way that we do those things? No. No. Should we do it a lot more? Yes. And by God's strength, we will pray more for the lost and, and do more evangelism. Um, but, you know, we got to be careful not to to characterize the other the other side and and say that that's that's yeah. what they think when obviously when you look at at our lives and our preaching and and different uh people it, you got to say well that's you know that's that's a a bit off yeah mm-hmm. yeah no i i think that sadly is a lot of times exactly what happens you know because there are no doubt the extreme cases the extreme positions where people teach such things is that we don't have to evangelize or share the gospel, you know, with, without discrimination. Right. But but that's certainly not, you know, what the reformers themselves taught or practiced. Or you look at the the, the great body of, of leaders and teachers that had held to these doctrines. That is not what they taught or practiced mm-hmm. either. In fact, some of the greatest missionaries have affirmed these doctrines, Absolutely. and they go with the confidence. That my God can save, yeah. you know, that that as uh, just thinking of uh, Romans 1, 16, right, where Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek uh, for in the righteousness of God for for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so Paul in going to Philippi, you know, we're studying the book of, Philipp- yeah. of uh, Philippians, and he goes there, uh, it is with this confidence that through the gospel, through the means of his evangelism, God will save. And we see him sovereignly open Lydia's heart, right, to receive the right. things said by Paul. And so you see these doctrines operating, but it's through the means of the missionaries and, and the word of the gospel going out through men like Paul and and Silas and Timothy and 
Yeah. So I think like, you, you know, the, the difference between the, the means and, and the God who works, I guess, you know, that's probably kind of a, the, the heart of understanding maybe why a Calvinist can freely, passionately share the gospel yeah. and not be contradicting his own. Absolutely. And we can, we can trace that back and I want to go there. Um, I want to, I just kind of want to pause that because I'm glad you started with that. If we think about those who believe in the doctrines of grace, who, well, who believed and taught the doctrines of election and predestination, there's no one greater than Paul, who is the first example mm, yeah. of, of a missionary who had a firm grasp of those two elements and believed them yeah. heartily, but still gave himself to those sorts of things. And we, we think of other, I mean, there are in the history of the church, we think there are a lot of other missionaries who believed in the doctrines of, of grace and still did missions. Mm -hmm. And, and I know that we're labeled Calvinists, but it would be, I would say the next one that we could talk about is Calvin himself, Calvin himself, who Mm -hmm. uh, grew up in France and then, moved to to Switzerland and then had to move around because he wasn't even welcome there because there was unrest and then found himself back in Geneva. And then from Geneva with people who were, who were learning scripture and learning doctrine through him, he was then sending them over into France. Like he loved his, his French brothers and sisters who Mm. needed the gospel. And some of those that they commissioned from Geneva went to France and lost their lives for the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just France. It was like, you can go back and look, he was sending people to Brazil. That's a long trip back mm-hmm. in those days <laughs> in the, in the mid 1500s, yeah. but they were going and And so you, you can't, just fire inadvertently and say, well, obviously they, they don't do that when the person that, right. You know, everybody points to and goes, well, you just believe what he says. And so you're obviously not, you obviously don't believe in missions because he must not have, it's like, no, that that's not true. Church history would, um, would negate that argument pretty quickly uh, when you go down that, that road as well. Mm. And I think just, I didn't even mean to go that far, but just to kind of pause there because I, I want to bring up a couple of other guys if I could. Yeah. Um, it, I, I want to just step back for a moment and, and talk about the, this fringe issue, you know, on, on our side, we want to be respectful and real careful mm-hmm. in the sense that we don't then think that everyone who doesn't believe this is in the ilk of guys like um, that, that do decisional regeneration, but like a Finney or someone, you know, we, yeah. we don't believe that, yeah. that everyone who doesn't believe this is out there just trying to, now there are guys, you have to admit that pound that pulpit mm. in the sense that they're going to keep that just as I am flowing until, until something <laughs> happens. And there are people that believe that way. Um, I want to say that yeah. it's not the majority. It's tough to say that that's not the majority, but 
but we also don't want to go so far as to say, well, then you're just a cookie cutter centers bench Finney, Finneyite who right. believes that, that you're <laughs> saved when you start the walk down the aisle or when you, you know, whatever else. So um, I would say, you know, we, we want to be, we want to be mindful on, on this, on this side to, to not just paint everybody with that broad brush either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So uh, they, we've got a history of guys who would probably call themselves reformed and Calvinists that have done missions, even, even for Baptist. Uh, one of the things we, we grow up hearing is that there was a father of modern missions and his name was William Carey. William Carey mm-hmm. would have believed in the doctrines of grace. He himself was Calvinist. Yeah. You got uh, guys like David Brainerd in the uh, northeast part mm-hmm. of the United States. You got Jonathan Edwards, who also spent some time among the American Indians. You've got David Livingstone. And I just read a, a great biography that was uh, given, suggested by someone uh that I read through and, and began to, to read through it. And, and, and even him, he came from the, the Scottish church that was uh, rooted in, in reformed doctrine. And, um, and we could, we could go on Adoniram Judson as well, who was, a who was, I believe Presbyterian or Pado Baptist. Mm-hmm. And then on his way to Burma uh, became, became a baptism by immersion guy, but still held to his, uh, belief in the in the sovereignty of God and salvation, and so the the thing about m- missions in this realm is like you were saying. I mean, it, we know that it will be successful. That God mm-hmm. will either harden or He will save. God will God will do what He desires in the preaching of the gospel. And we know that just by being faithful to it, if we believe in the ends, which we do, and that's the salvation of men, the sanctification, and ultimately the glorification, then we can go, we Mm -hmm. believe in what God has prescribed as the means to that end. And the means is pray, make intercession, make intercession for people, preach the gospel, um, on and on. So, yeah, yeah, I, I got a little fired up just then so uh, i mean to a certain degree i was going to keep going but i I don't want to leave you out my brother you want to throw something in (laughs) no man i it's it's amazing to you know i'm glad you brought up some some other missionaries because you know i think people say you know it's sadly enough sadly for some you know back to john cal and and the the work in geneva was missional for some they won't hear it but other names that that are more maybe praised or accepted it's like oh really well they they believe that and yet they're out there offering their lives mm-hmm. for the gospel you know they're they're in india and just seeing opposition after opposition and, and then you might you would wonder well where does their this perseverance in the in the work come from like you know what what's driving them to stay in those hard places and and continually faithfully proclaim the gospel of jesus christ and and, and and it's beautiful because, you know that that really and and I know you've you said it a lot of times that that you know our, our orthodoxy should 
should produce our orthopraxy, right? And, and, and you see that reality working out that, that uh, their doctrines are driving their, their life, their, their practice. And that, you know, is really, I think, someone who actually grasps the, the heart and soul of, of these truths. Um, when, when you become so confident in the ability of God to save that you just, though looking like a fool, you know, go and, and yeah. share the gospel. I was thinking, uh, and I, I don't know, did you, you that um, this young man oh, yeah. who was recently yeah. killed trying to take the gospel to, to uh, I forget the name of the people yeah, group the there. Centen- the Sentinelese folks on, on an yeah. island off the coast of, uh, between Thailand and, and India. Yeah, yeah, right. And and I, I read an article on the Globe and Mail, and supposedly the author was, Hey, I, I read that today, but, and yeah. man, it just made me uh-huh. made me wince. I'm like, so mad, really? Well, and, and because I think the the thing is, uh, you know, to the world, and I'm going to put this person with the world because they obviously yeah. didn't understand right. the gospel yeah. of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's foolishness, like it's it's sure. it's absurdity, it's idiotic, right, to think that you. Uh, are going to somehow be uh, a means of, of change and how dare you try to right. change them, right? But no, it's like when you understand that this foolish message is the way that the sovereign God saves and that he will save and that he has already determined to to save people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, then you go, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the old hymns that world behind me, the cross before me, and and, and just this confidence in the gospel and that God yeah. who can save. And it's, it doesn't make sense to our natural sure. mind. Now, there were a lot of different is, things in play. I just want to kind of put this, just interject this for a second. There were a lot of different things at play in this young man's um, walk uh, that we could, you know, either uh, promote or negate, whatever it may be. But I will say that this last right. week um, – Al Mohler spent almost an entire briefing podcast considering it. So if anybody is kind of wondering, you know, uh, how to view what took place, I think he gives us a pretty good grasp of it. Some of the things he was saying were some of the things that I was kind of wrestling with um, as well. And he was just sort of clarifying in my mind the way that that whole thing went about. So if you're interested in kind of hearing you know, we're we're mentioning that, but I don't want it to seem as if we're promoting what this guy, you know, the, the furtherance uh, of the gospel, I would say, absolutely. The furtherance of the gospel. Yeah. But I would say, you know, no one, he was he was not under authority, at least that we can see that was consistent and keeping up with right. him. He was not sent. It was not done in a way that has typically been done. Um, there are usually no lone ranger missionaries usually guys are sent together things like that but it was somewhere i don't want to give you the wrong date but it was between the 27th and the 29th of november so if you can go back and find that if you're interested find that briefing i think that might uh help somebody as they think through it so before we Mm. we carried on beyond that i thought i would at least kind of throw that in there real fast yeah no yeah Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I know. I know that it's kind of random. <laughs> and and, and sure. I haven't um, actually when I, after I read the article, I looked that up. So 
what I could even do is I could find that episode and we could just put a link to it, share this. So that that would be cool because right. absolutely, you know, I think my, yeah. my best takeaway was that, you know, I, I imagine you have um, encountered it. I don't know you have uh, actually. And, and so, you know, what are some, I guess, ways to, to just help people be at ease when it comes to maybe friends and family who, who they see embracing these doctrines um, that that they're not going to disregard the loss, that we're not going to give up on missions or praying for for conversion or praying in general, right? Uh, um, I guess, uh, how would you well, comfort Well, as we talk about just give the guidance, pillars perhaps? of what this... Um, yeah, what this system is is built on is is scripture and taking scripture seriously. And I and I hope that 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 comes through loud and clear when you when you find someone that is starting yeah. down this road, um, th- that their arguments or their um, their their motivating what's motivating them is a is a thirst for depth of knowing God through the scripture and knowing our own, what he's done in our own salvation and how that's accomplished in us. When we start to get a grasp of who we are, we know that we, (laughs) we are not able or capable or responsible for our salvation. And, And then beyond that, when, if someone is truly, and we've talked about this before, it kind of we, we bang the drum of those who truly understand and hold to the doctrines of grace should be the most gracious people. And for those who believe that as well, there is a fire. There is a fire. That's why we want to talk mm-hmm. about it. That's why we want to engage our family about it. That's why we want to engage our friends about it. Because in some to some degree, we are seeing we are it, we see it as we are seeing scripture in a more clear way than we've ever seen it before because some of those questions are being answered some of those inconsistencies that we struggled with in our own hearts and minds are being the, the those loose ends are being tied up and we're we're ex, we're getting excited about it at least we should well, that excitement is to then carry over and, and we're not a people who go well now we're a part of of this yeah. um that means we're good we're the frozen chosen we can sit on our hands we can just hope that that everybody that's supposed to happens no we understand that god not only not only ordains the ends but he ordains the means and we can be part of that in obedience to him if he's opening up the scripture like that yeah. to us if we're digging in like we should, then we know that these are things that he has called us and demanded of us. We don't just say, well, now we're not under the law, so we're free to do whatever. But no, we see throughout the New Testament that we are, how do we know that we love God? How do we know that we love God? Well, we obey his commands, you know? And so we we have to test ourselves to that. We want to be a people of the book. We want mm-hmm. to be creatures of the word as it's been put before. And, and that's what we push. I mean, that's the reason why we spend time. We spend an hour, you know, we spend an hour 
preaching his word. We spend and we spend time outside of our Sunday morning services, getting together to do small groups centered on rethinking God biblically uh, from a biblical point of view, kind of like tearing down this man centeredness that we can fall into. And so I would just say, you know, to anybody that's going, yeah, well, you know, you're still, you guys are still off, off, mm-hmm. uh, and, and not tracking with what scripture says it, it would be, well, I don't know. I mean, it, in the first place I would say, well, be careful. Um, make sure there's not a plank in your eye before yeah. you check the spec in someone else's. Um, you know, you, you talk about the amount of, yeah. of vandalism and missions in someone's life, then, you know, you want to make sure that, that you are, practicing those things as well um but but again i would say there's a great deal of freedom in believing that god has ordained them the ends and so we are we could be the means so let us go just as he has commanded us and and take great confidence that we may labor for 15 years family members that are with us may go crazy like i'm thinking of william carey um wondering you know what in the world these people are monsters of iniquity and they will not turn um but knowing with great confidence that god's word does not return void it will accomplish people look at that scripture and they think that it's just one-sided that god's word is preached and people will hear and they'll believe and they'll respond and so on and so forth. But that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the the other side of it is the case. Yeah. Sometimes God's will is accomplished in, in that un, unbelief. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that, that goes down a whole other avenue. But we have to believe, we have to believe that, that that's what... Uh, that that scripture is is saying, hey, God's word does not return void, even when there is a lack of physical response to the yeah. gospel. Yeah. In in an acceptance type of type of way. Yeah. Anyway, I know I kind of I, I kind of sidestepped what you were saying because no, um, no. It, it really just comes down to to being gracious and hearing each other out and and. And yielding to some degree, yielding on yeah. preference, but not yielding on on orthodoxy or what Scripture has to say, and, and being gracious towards one another, and praying for one another as well. Um, that where there's error, there will be change. Um, yeah, so on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's good, and I I think you know I, I hope that. Our, our lives do not not that we avoid talking but our, our lives really do display our doctrine to the point where we don't have to defend it a lot you know what i mean like by by our example of being active in missions sharing the gospel being being involved in in the advancing of god's kingdom that like Paul said, you know, by your good deeds, the, the mouths of them are stopped, right? To mm. is in Titus, right? That that by your deeds, and then I think that, you know, especially to those who maybe are, are struggling and how to respond, and and you know, all these questions coming and people accusing them of things that aren't true. Well, 
just continue living out your life before God and seeking to glorify him and, mm-hmm. and bearing the gospel freely and expecting God to take that and, and save. And God will be the judge, right? And, and, and he will vindicate his name. Um, I think, sadly, a lot of times people on the reforms to defend God, you know, or to to uh, to basically be God's attorney. And it's like, no, yes, we can we can share the truth with boldness and confidence. But we also need to understand that God will vindicate his name and and God will be the one to verify the truthfulness of these doctrines. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes that's through, yeah, the missionaries, like you say, you look at their lives and, and who can, who can, with a life like William Carey, who loses his wife, you know, and, and is just pours himself out for the sake of the gospel in, in India. And you can't argue with that. You might disagree with his doctrine, but his life testifies uh, to the truthfulness. And, and so I pray we can walk in, in that as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I uh, was, as you were talking there, I was thinking too about this picture in in Second uh, Corinthians of light, and and Paul, uh, you know, says that we are the aroma of um, the fragrance of of the knowledge of Christ, and and then he uses this picture uh, in Second Corinthians four of the light of the gospel. Um, he says, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that picture of God saying, let there be light, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is rooted right in Genesis 1-1, the God who speaks into darkness and brings light. And, and that's what's happening in salvation. And I think... When I began to understand that, that we're, as Paul said, we don't, we don't tamper with God's word. We don't want to alter the message. We don't want to make the, the message of the gospel more approachable, less offensive. You know, I see so many people today trying to remove hell out of the equation and all oh, God just annihilates or something. And it's like, no, we don't tamper with the message, but we proclaim the truth and we trust in the God who speaks into darkness and says, let there be light. And, and, and Paul said, that's what happened in our salvation. God said, let light shine out of darkness. Yeah. Uh, that's what's going on, right? And it's like, so we, we, knowing that, we just hold up the light of the gospel and, and we trust that it is God who will, will take that. And, and to me, it's like, that would embolden, embolden missions, embolden yeah. evangelism, right? and, and, and protect, uh, the, the protect the missionary from the temptation to tamper with the word of God. Because we know if we tamper with it, then, then it is not going to be a means that God uses to actually regenerate. You might get, you know, a bit of smoke and lights, but at the end of the day, there's nothing to show for yeah. it. Right? You pull back that curtain, and there's no wizard. Either that yeah. or he's dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. 
man. <laughs> yeah, our man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, and that was good. Appreciate you sharing uh, that because that's that's so true and and helpful to think about. Uh, um, yeah, and and of course the the scripture is replete with with instances and and where he shares something similar to God's mm-hmm. work in those things. Oh, absolutely. Well, I um, oh, I know we could keep going and going. I guess that was just one of the questions I thought we might get through two today, but probably best to leave off there. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, as far as this evangelize or pray or take part in missions, we know that this is something that we do. I think of Ephesians two eight and nine, for by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves, this is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so we know that Mm -hmm. that prayer, Mm -hmm. evangelism, missions, this is all God's good work being being realized in us. And I I just wanted to, to end this question with what the 1689 Baptist confession of faith says concerning good works. Mm-hmm. And this is uh chapter 16 verse verses. Well, uh, numbers one and two, it says good works are only those works that God has commanded in his holy word. Works that do not have this warrant are invented by people out of blind zeal or on a pretense of good intentions and are not truly good. These good works, this is number two, these good works done in obedience to God's commandments are the fruit and evidence of a true and living faith. Through good works, believers express their thankfulness, strengthen their assurance, build up their brothers and sisters, adorn the profession of the gospel, stop the mouths of opponents and glorify God. Believers are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works so that they bear fruit leading to holiness and have the outcome eternal life Amen. thank you for tuning in to the quorum deo podcast if you do have any questions or even a suggestion for a potential podcast episode please visit us online at quorumdeogp.com and we pray that through this podcast you also may live Quorum Dale.